Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia from Living Joyfully, and this is episode number 348 of the podcast. I am joined by my co-hosts, Anna Brown and Eric Ellis. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> so in this episode, we're doing a Q&A deep dive, exploring a listener-submitted question. And of course, we want to remind everyone that our Q&A conversations are not focused on giving anyone the, quote, right answer, because there isn't a universal right answer for any situation that will work for everyone. So basically, we're sharing food for thought through the lens of unschooling. And if you have a question you'd like us to dive into, check out the show notes for the link to the submit your question form for a future Q&A episode, or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash question. We would love to explore the questions that you're pondering right now on your unschooling journey. And if you'd like to have these kinds of conversations more often, check out the Living Joyfully Network online community. You will find all three of us there. We have regular live calls where members share their questions and concerns, their aha moments on the journey, as well as everyday snapshots of their unschooling lives. The community is incredibly rich with the twists and turns of real life, with wonderful families from around the world, all through the lens of unschooling. It is so inspiring. And as I said that, I got goosebumps. Like, <laughs> it's for real. <laughs> so you can learn more about and join the community at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash network, or you can follow the link in the show notes. We'll be sure to put it there. So Anna, would you like to read the question for us? Yes. Okay. So our question comes from Michelle in Texas, and she has an almost nine-year-old. I listened to the episode with Xander regarding gaming, and it really helped change my perspective, especially during this unschooling phase. The question that keeps coming for us is definitely fear-based, but for good reason, and that's online safety. Our son loves online gaming. Fortnite is the game of choice, but we struggle with the proper level of quote, parental controls and his freedom to do what he loves, which is socializing and making new friends online. He's easily influenced by a lot of the kids he plays with, and it has become a concern with behavior slash attitude slash mature content slash cussing, et cetera. I'm so curious how unschooling parents protect their kids online without having strict parental controls. Unfortunately, I can't listen all day, but I do try to pay attention and we have lots of conversations. I just don't feel like he hears me, or maybe I'm approaching the topic too fearfully and strong. He wants to be accepted by his peers and will do almost anything to get it, which concerns me. Long-winded, but that's what I'm dealing with, and I'm sure other parents are too. Okay, so thanks for your question, Michelle. And it is a topic that comes up a lot for good reason. And I think it's really important to kind of tease apart and think about. I always want to take some extra steps when I see I'm being driven by fear, you know, because fear tends to pull me out of the moment, but also away from my child. And so taking the pause and naming the fear for me can be helpful. And then I want to dive back into the moment with my child to understand things from their perspective to see what I might be missing. 
I came to understand that what kept my children safest was our strong connection. I wanted them to feel completely comfortable coming to me when things felt off or if they had questions. And I could only foster that environment by being really open and not judging what they were doing. If they felt like I didn't like an activity, they were much less likely to come to me if something was going on with it. It kind of pushed them into this place where they would maybe take more than they wanted to for fear that it would play into my concerns. And if they felt comfortable with me and knew that I supported what they loved about the game or the activity, then when something was off, they knew that I'd help them process, but with this eye to getting them back to what they loved. And it sounds like you're already having a lot of conversations and that's that's really what helped us. But definitely it was important to check in about any kind of tone or agenda I might have because I know they can sneak in, you know, especially if we're carrying around any fear. So I would share my experiences and why kind of the why behind any decision I was making. If I felt uncomfortable, I'd share it, but again, with an eye to still move towards the thing we were interested in, but in a way that felt better to us both. I think talking about the online environment and how it's unique is so helpful. People sometimes use that space to push boundaries and try things on, and sometimes that doesn't feel good. So empowering our kids to say something when it doesn't feel good or doesn't work. You know, and another thought that I had was if your son is feeling a scarcity of connections, maybe why you're feeling like he'll quote, do anything to be accepted, then I might focus on broadening that community, you know, finding more online friends to add to the mix because scarcity like fear can influence our behaviors and contribute to making choices that might not be the best for us. But that's something you can start solving for and working towards together, you know, more abundance in the online or even in real life friend department. You know, there is an Unschooling Gamers Facebook group and families on our Living Joyfully Network connect through gaming as well. It really is just so much about the relationship. And it sounds like you have a great foundation there and looking at your own fears and are we giving information or kind of passing along and handing some weight of our fears to our kids that just might not make sense to them at all. You know, so I found that just keeping connection as the driver can allow us all to feel comfortable as we navigate these tricky topics. Yeah. Um, I liked this question too. Um, I think you're absolutely right that so many parents are facing these same concerns about online safety and navigating that with their children, whether or not they're unschooling. And with so many different people and different parents and different children, there are just endless ways in which those concerns are addressed. And I really love that you're recognizing the underlying fears that you have and that possibility that the way you're approaching it with him might be too strong or fear-based because I do think it's so easy to go there. We're definitely surrounded by stories that can ramp up our fear and our imaginations can spiral a bit out of control just thinking of all the scary possibilities. And that just feels so terrible. And I've been there. So I guess first I would just say to ground yourself back into the present moment and really honestly look at the things that are actually happening rather than what might happen. He's probably heard a lot of your concerns and fears at this point. And so those messages are already in there. Giving some space for a while might help you see what's actually ha happening and 
when I say giving some space, I don't mean just leaving him alone, but just not like jumping in with the warnings and jumping in with a bunch of questions. There have been phases where I've been worried about what my kids are watching or the way they're interacting with their friends online. Maybe things don't feel very kind, you know, in the interaction sometimes, things like that. And there have been times where I'll jump in like, what is that you're watching? (laughs) Or is everybody okay (laughs) in this like super fear-based loaded emotional way? Like the questions by themselves are not terrible questions, but when I bring them with that loaded energy of, I believe everyone's in danger or something bad is going on, the kids react to that energy and it creates that disconnection. And then they want more privacy because they believe that I'm not understanding them and what's going on. And so it really just, the disconnection grows. And so the repair that works for me in that case is giving them more space and more trust. When they don't feel like I'm jumping on every little thing, then there's room for them to actually come to me with their tricky situations, to ask me about safety and to ask for my help with their conflicts. And so over the years, I've given them information like, we don't know who the people are who are playing online with you. They could be anyone. They could live anywhere. And so we've had some fun imagining who these people might be. And so it it's safe. I tell them it's safe to play online together. But it's also important to remember, we don't know these other players well enough to trust them with our personal information. And it actually reminds me of when Anna started playing Adopt Me with me on Roblox. And she wanted to believe and trust everything that everyone was saying in the chat. And I had to tell her, a lot of people are scamming and a lot of people are lying. <laughs> And it's still so much fun to play, but it just helps to be aware of that. And I think it takes some practice to get really savvy online, but that practice is what the kids are getting when they have the chance to explore. And so our family's use of parental controls has evolved over the years, and it's always the result of conversations with the kids and what they're feeling comfortable with. Most of the controls that are just kind of automatically created are too limiting we've found and so they haven't been super helpful the kids know how to block people on their games they know that they can always leave if something is feeling uncomfortable find a new server you know if someone is being obnoxious and i think watching gaming youtubers has actually helped them learn a lot about some of the things that people do the scamming and the pranking and the trolling just so that they have a better idea of what to watch out for and like anna was saying the more i focus on keeping our connections strong then the safer they feel to come to me to talk about anything that doesn't feel right okay i love so much what you both have shared And thanks again, Michelle, for the question. I, too, really had a lot of fun thinking about it. And in fact, our theme in the network this month as we're recording this happens to be connection. And a big part of de-schooling is the parenting journey from using tools of control to connection in our relationships with our kids. So that's on my mind. And I think it's an interesting angle to explore with this question. So let's just play for a bit. Let's take a moment to pull up to the bigger picture and think about the purpose of parental controls. You know, they are basically rules to control an environment, whether they're built into a technology that's involved or they're rules that the parents set and expect the child to follow. Um, So let's just say you found the perfect, quote, perfect set of parental controls that you envision and you turn them on. So now what? How do you feel? What do you do next? 
Maybe you let out a sigh of relief. Maybe your shoulders drop a little bit. Ah, You've controlled the environment and things just feel safer now. You know your child will no longer be able to find their way into situations online that you find uncomfortable or worrisome. Now you can relax and leave them to play and have fun and you can go off and enjoy doing your things. I mean, that sounds pretty cool, right? That's that's the goal. <laughs> but I think I will forever. I know I will forever remember the story that Teresa Graham Brett shared on the podcast way back in episode 27, because it just so clearly showed the contrast between control and connection when it comes to our relationships with our children. And I'm pretty sure the story is in her book too, Parenting for Social Change. But just to summarize, when her eldest was young, she decided she'd let him watch PBS Kids because it was educational and nonviolent. That meant he could have free access at any time to PBS Kids. And online, he could go to the PBS Kids website. So in that parentally controlled and safe environment, he would watch this PBS show, Caillou, and there would be a point in almost every episode where he would say, shut it off. So she'd shut it off and he'd move on to something else. And she never thought much about it at the time until she began questioning her parenting choices more directly. She started watching TV with him and quickly recognized the difference there. When she was in the mode of everything on PBS Kids is fine because it's not my version of violence, she was actually uninvolved. Because she had deemed everything he had access to to be safe, she wouldn't watch with him. There was no partnership. And as she described it, she had abdicated her responsibility to him because she had controlled the environment in which he had access to. When she started hanging out with him, watching with him, paying attention to who he actually is as a person, she said, oh my gosh, she learned so much. For example, she came to see that in the show, Caillou was always getting in trouble at some point in the episode and a parent or teacher would step in to chide and correct him. It was consistently at that point that he wanted the show shut off. It became obvious that he was uncomfortable with that kind of emotional violence being imparted on a child. And that was such a huge aha moment for her. Wow, their definitions of violence were so different. What she thought was safe and what was aligned with the conventional narrative of media safety differed from what he needed, which was for children to be emotionally safe. The violence that he saw was not the violence that she saw. She said that if she could point to one thing that greatly expanded her view of media access, that was the moment. And I just wanted to share how she describes that shift. So she said, being responsible for the care of a child doesn't require control. It requires being in connection and being a partner and being a facilitator. Now, I wanted to share that because it's just such a clear example of the shift from control to connection on our parenting journey. Instead of controlling their environment so that we're comfortable stepping away with the impression that it's all good, they can encounter any, they can't encounter anything that we are uncomfortable with, we can be there partner. We can connect and engage with them. We can see the person they are and help them as they navigate and process the environments that they are keen to explore. So bringing that back and coming to your particular situation, Michelle, 
You mentioned that you're having lots of conversations with your son about what you're seeing with his online play. You also mentioned that you don't think what you're saying is connecting with him because it feels like he's not hearing you. And I love Anna's point about paying attention to the energy that you're bringing to the conversations. And I just wanted to add another thought to the mix. And actually, it's just an extension of what Erica was talking about, because I am sure he's heard what you've been saying. So repeating it over and over moving forward just won't add much value to the conversation. So what if for the next while, your conversations with him are more focused on listening to him? letting him lead any actual conversation. What is he seeing in the interactions that he has online? How is he feeling about them? You can hang out with him quietly, just absorbing his enjoyment and trying to see what things look like through his eyes, leaving a relaxed space, like Erica talked about, for him to just share his thoughts or not. It doesn't have to be. Um, actual conversations, because lots of communication happens that doesn't need conversation, right? I think that's such an interesting piece. So maybe you'll glean some interesting insights, just as Teresa did. But I do think you'll definitely experience a deepening of your connection as you learn more about him. And he feels seen and loved for who he is right now, Fortnite and all You will just feel so seen and heard. And instead of you directing the conversations, there's space for him to just mention what's bubbling up or even just noticing his reactions to things that are bubbling up that might spark conversations later. Because sometimes conversations happening in the charged moment of something going on, there's not space and time for reflection and conversations about that either. Anyway, so such a great question. It really is. I think, um, oh, and I may have just lost it, but it it is that point of when we're looking, it's that the walking in the shoes and the looking in the eyes thing, because it's like what feels scary or, you know, inappropriate to us, we really, unless we're connected to understand what that feels like to them, we really do miss the boat. And so I think that was really important for me. And also, I think there's a piece about, again, this experimental piece of being online that you do see your kids kind of push some boundaries and like try things on and language or different things. But I think because it feels safe to them. And so then understanding that and kind of having that and then just, I don't know, being there for it, you know, and and, we can't sit there, you know, maybe every single minute they're online, but we can make some intentional choices about, you know, just exploring and listening, you know, not coming in just with our two cents, but really hearing about it. And I don't know, I just think about some things that I've seen with Erica's kids, things I saw with my kids, you know, it is just, it's such an interesting environment that they have the ability to experiment with at this age, you know? Yeah, that's what came up for me too when you were talking, Pam, was just that like me putting my, my, what I would do if I were them kind of lens on it doesn't make any sense because what they're doing is figuring out who they are, 
figuring out how the internet works, figuring out what these different cultures of video gaming are like. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think happen in Fortnite that to me feel like, oh, well, that's terrible. But to them in it, it's like that, but that's the culture. That's how people are having fun. And that's the way that they're interacting. And so, you know, sometimes I'll say, um, like, does that, is that fun for you? Like, is this game fun for you? And they'll be like, yeah, you know, like, and people seem like they're being mean to each other. And I'm like, oh, to me, that doesn't feel fun. But to them, they know, like, that's just this game. This is a role playing game or this, you know, we're in these characters and this is the way we're interacting. And I think it's kind of amazing because it's such a rich environment for being able to explore different ways of being, different ways of treating people. And like mistakes, you know, if they were to say they made a mistake in the way they're interacting, like that's okay too, because they're just learning and it's more, I don't know, it's it's just that rich environment for being able to learn more about themselves and how to interact with people too. Yeah, I think I learned so much using that lens of role playing too. Like that is so fascinating. And there are absolutely environments where that is the focus. And you take on a personality, any kind of personality and history and whatever, and play through that lens or, you know, just communicate through that lens. And it's just such an interesting way to explore, like interesting and and everybody participating in it knows what's going on or quickly learns like that's the experience <laughs> it's like oh we jumped holy bananas this is really crazy <laughs> but oh yeah so this is what we're doing in this culture yeah so many different cultures different um just environments and that's the great thing they can go in and experiment and experience and say that's not for me or say you know oh I could really lean in no this is really fun mom <laughs> so it's just oh, that's the connection and the experience is just where, in my mind, they just learn so much more so about the world, about themselves, about who they might want to be, about how they can be different in different situations and different environments, and that this is okay. You know, it's just, I feel like it's a, a rich, rich environment. So even just figuring out, like, sitting there, listening, figuring out what he's enjoying for him to be able to, you know, start having conversations. Like I'm just, you know, looking through his eyes and when you're there and half his mind may be on like, oh, is this something mom's not going to like? Is this something she's going to say something about? He's not getting the opportunity to dig deeper and say, oh my gosh, this is fun. This is fun because, because his mind's already busy, worried about what might happen because of what he's doing. So opening up that space to really just absorb and process what he's experiencing, I think just, just can go a long way for him. Yeah. <laughs> just one quick thing. Oh, sorry, Erica, but about that, like <laughs> even just listening to the two of you and, and I'm, I'm thinking people listening to the podcast will feel it too. Like just this lighter energy mm-hmm. of curiosity, you know, of like, Hey, and we're not just saying ignore and throw out. We're saying like, bring that lighter energy because in that space, 
they're just, we do hear more from them because like you said, Pam, I really do. When we bring a heavy weight of an energy to something, I think they are thinking, okay, what do I do? This weight doesn't feel good. This energy doesn't feel good. And so then there may be, you know, censoring pieces and they're not being honest and they're not because it's just, they don't really know that energy. So I don't know, just listening to the two of you with this light, playful, curious energy still is so engaged and yet it just has a, a very different environment being created. Right. Yeah. I was just thinking as Pam was talking, like my experience as a child of a mom with a lot of worry and fear, like it does, it is a constant, you know, like that's what I'm hearing in my mind as I'm making my choices is like, I'm looking at everything kind of through her lens. And so, I mean, I think it's hard not to do that. It's hard not to pass some of our fears down. Um, but I do think it's distracting. Like it distracts from who I am, what choices I make. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to try my best, you know, and be careful and mindful of what I'm passing on to my kids in that way, because there's just so many different ways to be. And the things that I'm afraid of are the same things that other people love doing. And so, you know, just remembering that and keeping it light. But don't you think even just saying that, you know, just saying like, this doesn't feel great to me, but I can see you're enjoying it. Like that takes that edge off of where, you know, maybe your mom or other moms might be more like, this feels terrible. This is bad. You know, this is like, this is worrying me. This is, you know, and it has that weighty feel to it versus this like, wow, this is my experience of it. Tell me about yours. Like, I just feel like, because I think it's unrealistic to think that we're never going to be worried, that we're not going to have things that are concerning us, that we're not going to be talking or, you know, passing some of that down, like you're saying. But I think the more we kind of own it for ourselves and the more honest we are about, you know, how we're moving through the world and that we were curious about how you're moving through the world, I just think that really changes that dynamic a lot. I think so. I think so. It really, it it's, comes back to that team, right? It's like people are different. Mm -hmm. Even though we're related by blood, we are different. Our ages are different, but we still all have needs and things that we enjoy doing. And when we can bring that, that curiosity, because so like when I can walk in and say, oh, that feels uncomfortable. And they can reply with, oh, no, it's lots of fun rather than, making a mental note that, okay, next time I hear mom coming up the stairs, I need to like move to a different game or just need to move to a different room or, you know, end this conversation or whatever. And again, they're doing that out of love too, mm -hmm. right? Because they don't want you to be upset with them. Um, but but that means that they do feel like they need to hide things. And just then, then we can't have conversations. And then when things go a little awry for them, they uh, will hesitate to come and try and process that with you because they'll feel that I told you so energy, et cetera, because this will be something new to us because they've been hiding it on us, et cetera. So yeah, it's that curious energy and just being curious about our child and what they love and why they love it. I think it just brings a whole different energy to the family, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, thank you again so much for your question, Michelle. As you can tell, we really enjoyed diving into it. 
And if you, listener, have a question that you'd like us to dive into, check out the show notes for the link to submit your question for a future Q&A episode, or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash question. We would love to explore the questions that you are pondering right now on your unschooling journey. Bye, everyone. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.